are back. We are back. Welcome to Match Point number nine, a tennis bets podcast. I am one of three hosts here, David EJ Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on Twitter. And if this is your first time listening, chances are it's how you found us. Welcome. Hello. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, which there are more of you all the time, thank you. With me, as always, uh, is my number one tennis talking bro, Derek. Derek, hello. What's up, everybody? Uh, welcome back. Thanks for tuning into the pod. You might notice a little bit something different this week so dave you want to introduce our guest yes we are down mr john reed this week he is off uh on a, an adventure i don't want to dox him and, and say to the world uh where he is but uh, he's gallivanting internationally i'll say that i'll give that much but he is he is not here with us therefore we brought in a ringer to fill in for him a colleague of john's over at the action network avery zimmerman is here folks once again he was on with us uh, for a wimbledon show last year a little wimbledon preview last summer you can find him at a zimmerman underscore one on twitter he's an editor for the action network i believe is in charge over action network tennis and uh, it looks like the soccer as well now that's correct. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me again, guys. I think honestly, John will be will be more than happy to share with the Twitter world where he's going to be over the next four days. I think there's a lot of content that'll come out of that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys very much for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. This is a great week. Acapulco Dubai is, is is just a phenomenal week. Talk to us about that. What do you love so much about uh, Acapulco Dubai week? I just I think the intensity for a non-masters week is is really solid. Because you have high purses, and then it's also all day, so you have the Dubai to wake up to, and then it goes through uh, Acapulco the the end of the night. And I know you in particular loved that one last night. And um, beyond that, you know, as opposed to a Masters week where there's just one tournament going on, and you're a little bit limited in that way, you've got so much going on. And then you also have, I guess, Santiago, if you're into that kind of thing. Well, since you uh, are here, I agree with all your points, uh, Avery, uh, 100%. And But since you are here and you are in the tennis betting, uh, you know, content streets, I'd love to ask you and take your pulse on uh, on the tennis betting uh, in terms of, uh, you know, public interest. Uh, you know, how has Action Network and their traffic been going? What's up with the industry at large here? Yeah, I mean, positive signs, but, you know, some drawbacks, not totally unexpected. I think pretty pretty much what when we charted out our content and stuff for the first quarter of the year, ten- tennis is a, is a slam based sport. I think we know that if you're not, you know, grinding the, the year and care about it, I think for the most part, it truly is a, a sport that's centered around four events, you know, even more so than golf a little bit. Nonetheless, we had a really strong Australian Open. We've been pretty light on content since then, uh, gearing up for these two American Master tournaments, which is really exciting. So we'll be a little bit bigger on that. John will be will be back with us for that. But outside of that, po- positive signs, but not unexpected. Nothing groundbreaking. I don't think we had a, a breakpoint revolution. Perhaps that was because the production quality of breakpoint was about as 10th as significant as it was for a uh, full swing. Yeah, that was uh, kind of a miss for us. We all thought uh, the the breakpoint was going to be a, a breaking point uh, in terms oh. of public interest. Hello. Yeah, I did I did do that. I leaned into it, whatever. Um, but uh, it, it, it was a swing and a miss, uh, unfortunately. I, I don't even know. I, I believe they're filming uh, with the hopes of another season, but uh, Netflix has been pretty stingy, So, uh, and I don't believe there's official word yet either way, but I do not think we're getting another season. <laughs> They already point. filmed it though. It's just a matter of editing, right? Yeah, but, but like I mean, filming, they cancel stuff all filming the time. Filming stuff right? and and dumping it is like the new trend. So. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the interesting thing is, and same thing with full swing with golf, and I guess Drive to Survive is that like like the bigger fans. So like if you're really a tennis fan, I don't think Breakpoint was really anything doing anything for you. But I I have had people tell me, and I've I've heard a lot of commentary that they've actually really enjoyed it. 
I just think you have to truly not know anything about tennis, perhaps, to enjoy it. Yeah, I agree with you. One of my friends, he said that he watched it just out of curiosity, and he did say that he liked it. I asked him what his favorite episode was, and he said the first episode with Kyrgios because he thought he was like a very interesting guy. Like, I don't know, like maybe for you, for me personally, that episode just wasn't like informative to me. I mean, like as tennis fans, we already know everything about that guy. But I mean, for a first time viewer, obviously it was like something that drew them in. Like, and I was asking him, was like, do you like the Anjabor episode? He was like, no, I didn't like that one at all. And I'm like, I thought that was like the best one. Like I even know somebody else that was very into the drive to survive show. And I was like, did you have any interest in watching the tennis one? And he's like, yeah, I've been thinking about it, but I haven't gotten around to it. So I, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like it's really going to start catching. Yeah, I don't think point. it's doing too much. I will. Slowly but surely we grind here in these tennis streets. Uh, I do think that the legalization of sports betting will continue to bring in more eyes uh, and more betters on the sport, especially when they realize the the edges uh, it provides. Um, I know my friends that now have it in Ohio are degening like conference road single digit favorites and losing their asses <laughs> in college basketball. So I think it's an evolution, you know. Once you uh, <laughs> once you got to wise up and and understand uh, betting a little bit better, you start to gravitate towards things that are a little bit more EV and uh, a single player sport with hardly any ref interference. Certainly uh, <laughs> something to take advantage of, and it's a beautiful sport once people uh, get into it. So we'll see. But speaking of of betting this is a betting show so we want to be as transparent as can be let's do a quick recap from last week we had one true outright i had hubie winning marseille shout out to john though calling a bublik week as he reached the semis uh while john called meta wild card none of us really backed him in doha we had nori and alcaraz back in the final in rio but of course we did not see nori winning that and he probably doesn't without an injured alcaraz who just pulled out of acapulco with a grade one strain to his right hamstring that will keep him out several days i think that's a bit light on that estimation his hamstrings could be a bit tricky so we will see digging a little bit deeper doha we liked kubler plus one and a half sets against faa that cashed at a nice plus 125 Derek and john smartly took the three and a half games with greek spore against rublev I, of course, backed Rublev and an idiot for doing so uh, once again. And I'm going to be facing that again coming up. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Uh, we liked Fokina money line over Quan, which cashed. Uh, Zverev choked for us against Andy Murray, but it was Andy Murray week. What are you going to do? Uh, I said there was value on Rusevori against Laheshka, which there was not. We had Bodic moving on, uh, and he did not. But uh, that wasn't a breakdown play. We just were, it was in the mix. So it wasn't like a, a big L for us. But uh, we did we did talk about him potentially making a run. On the flip side, uh, in deeper draw talk, I did mention backing O'Connell in some sort of way against RBA, which came in. The under-19 in Brody Medvedev was a push for us over in France at Marseille. Derek correctly had Feast as a short favorite against Roman the Russian. We were fading Caressi, and he lost to Bonzi, who had a great week. I mentioned the over in Bublik Barrer, which didn't come in, but like I said, John had Bublik, so there you go. And uh, I lost Gasquet against Guarinka from a set and 4-2 up in the second, which is awesome. This is a great loss. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Gasquet. Over in Rio, John mentioned the overs in Malchan and Dain, uh, which came in in a first set over in Hari, Pedro Martinez, which did not. But we did like Hari to make a run. I said he'd make the semis, which he did. So there you go. Rio is actually where we're going to go for this week's Wave of the Week. Tennis is a wavy sport, so we like to... Highlight a player who caught a good wave and, and rode it to success. And this is more of a, a wave of 23, actually, for this guy. It's uh, Mr. Cam Nori. 
Sam Nori outlasts uh, Carlitos for his 18th win of the 2023 season. They say 30 wins in a season is a good season on tour. I heard that on the broadcast uh, in the final on Sunday. And so he's he's almost there. He's played a lot. And he's won a lot. He beat uh, Juan Moss, Arundelo, Montero, uh, Dain, Zavada Morales, and Alcaraz to get there. Nori's three losses in 2023 are to Alcaraz, Laheshka, and Gasquet. I know, Avery, we've talked about Nori, and you're kind of a Nori guy right now what are, you, what are your nori thoughts i have had an interesting nori evaluation year i've been up and down on cam i came in and at the beginning of the year i was so impressed and like this guy's gonna be a world beater this year then i kind of lost some faith at the australian open when he when he fell to lehechka but of course lehechka is, is just playing the tennis of his life right now so i guess i have to account for that and then he's gone to to the golden swing and been really impressive. I mean, so impressive. He, he was pretty solid on clay last year, too. I know he won Leon. He took a set off uh, Alcaraz in Madrid, where Carlos was playing the best tennis of his life. So he's a really solid player. Uh, I was talking to, to David Gertler about this, um, who's a really smart uh, clay court analyst in particular. And and I was able to convince him that, that Nori really is kind of clay suited his game. And, and that backhand, which you would think maybe is a liability because it's so flat does not serve as such. It's it's a really good stroke. It's a really solid neutral stroke on clay. I will say I am not as impressed with Nori in that final as many people are giving him credit for. He's played a good match, especially in that second set. Carlos wasn't moving in that third set, though. I mean, he was struggling. He was blasting errors. He was bailing out of rallies a ton. Carlos was playing some great shots and hitting some great balls, but when you're playing a guy on one leg, I, I really wasn't impressed that he, he he struggled that much and also pointed to the wrong mark. That was about two feet away at a, at a crucial point in the match. So I was really <laughs> unimpressed did, yeah. with. Um, but I'll give Cam the benefit of the doubt there. Nonetheless, what a great title uh, and, a, and a great win for him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, after losing to Alcaraz a week before that in the final and then getting the rematch a week later, even if Alcaraz was on one leg, I mean, he re-aggravated that injury that took him out of the AO sucks for him um, but still it's like uh cam still has like that he still has that confidence just to get through and everything like that the thing about like nori though he kind of reminds me of fritz in a way in terms of me being confident with him like he can just be like oh dang like i can back this guy like every week and then you see him go out there like oh he's not as reliable as i thought he was like i kind of just think like he should beat everybody that's ranked lower than him sometimes he gets upset and but Sometimes he goes on a stride like this. So it's interesting what he's going to do going forward, like on these clay tournaments that are going to be, you know, on the 500 level with bigger entrance and everything like that. So, yeah, I mean, he beat everyone that he should beat. And then he uh, he got through Alcaraz in one week. But, yeah, going forward, I don't know how I'm going to rely on him at clay tournaments with a, a bigger draw. So we'll look to that, though. Yeah, I think, you know, for me with Nori, and I think I talked about this on another podcast, but you know, the amount of winners he's hitting has gone up from last year or just in his uh, previous career in general. So that's good because, you know, the return game was really sort of his weapon uh, beforehand. Now he's kind of leveling that out in terms of the points overall in a match, which is good for him. And, and the match was kind of going away uh, from him. He bounced back with, with an aggressive point down 3-0. And the second set, uh, and then shortly after that is when Alcaraz got hurt. So he, you know, he gamed up to put himself in position uh, to make the comeback when Alcaraz did go limp. I did think it was interesting that he said afterwards he didn't realize Alcaraz was hurt when Alcaraz is fundamentally changing how he's playing the game. 
uh, with a lot of serving volley points. And I mean, it was just a different player for like the last half of the match. So it, a little weird. I don't know if that was a little gamesmanship with that comment, like, or a little concerning that you're not making like an in-play read that your your opponent is obviously hobbled. So I wasn't sure how to take away uh, there. But I, I do think with 18 wins already, a lot of mileage under those legs already. And, you know, when one of his biggest attributes uh, to success is his stamina is his his fight his his warrior nature and man he's already like put a lot <laughs> he's taken a lot of a lot out of the tank already so you know this clay season is not short coming up it's long so i think there's going to be some really good spots to fade nori come coming up as, as well as to back him if he's a little bit undervalued or against someone who's maybe a little bit more of a traditional clay quarter uh, has a little bit more of a clay resume and nori's golden swing prep has put him in a spot to, to pick up a dub. So I definitely think Rory is a, a guy to both back and, and fade coming up. All right, well, let's flip it over to this week. We've mentioned these exciting tournaments already, so let's hop into them. Kick it off with the ATP Acapulco, the Mexican Open, a 500-level event, been around since 1993. This slow outdoor hardcore tournament is a personal favorite. Uh, noticeably missing this year is Rafa Nadal, who was last year's champ, who beat Cam Norrie, the guy we just mentioned, 6-4-6-4. He also won in 2020, Rafa, and in 2013 and 2005, Zverev won in 2021. When he beat Sitsipas 6-4-7-6, I was out to dinner, score tracking that one. Kyrgios won in 2019, Del Potro won in 2018, Sam Query won in 2017, and Team in 2016. So a solid mix of serve guys and guys who trend up in slower conditions have won in recent times. Going to be in the high 80s with some humidity and slight winds all week. Looks like no rain though, thankfully. These courts seem to offer different speeds though. Derek, talk a little bit about what you were noticing in that J.J. Wolf match last night yeah so when you bet on jj wolf i guess you got to watch a jj wolf match even if he plays tarot daniel so yeah from watching that match i mean even watching like matches in previous years that court is freaking very slow if you're new to tennis betting if you are one of dave's buddies in ohio who usually bets on college basketball now you're just randomly throwing money at this Acapulco tournament, don't bet this tournament like you would typically bet other hardcore tournaments. This is a very different tournament. It's uh, the court's very slow. It appears to have a pretty high bounce to the ball, too. And on top of that, the humidity is crazy high, which makes the ball even slower. And it also like inflates the ball and messes with the air pressure. And so then that makes the ball bounce even higher. So it's a double double whammy. And then like if you look at those uh previous winners, like yeah, they're all servers, but they're all kind of tall too, right? So like you said, Del Potro's one, Zverev, like Rafa. I mean, he's not crazy tall, but I mean Just the, one of the greatest he, ever. guy's a freaking monster, so that doesn't really <laughs> matter. Curio's pretty tall. So it's like these balls are bouncing in their wheelhouse. And then so they can smack these things back. But even in the J.J. Wolf match, it's like Wolf hits the ball pretty damn hard. And he can usually should be able to hit the ball past Taro Daniel. But the balls are kind of just bouncing up pretty high. And that gives Taro uh, like more time to get to the ball and return it with emphasis and stuff like that and with purpose. So uh, that's what I noticed. I, I expected J.J. Wolf just to smack through the ball and and just annihilate him but yeah that that did not even come close to happening it was a good match to watch though because it was pretty interesting because i didn't expect tarot to pull that off take that into consideration 
looking forward and or going forward into this tournament. Super gritty courts, like you said. So it's it's really much a lot like Indian Wells. Um, and a little bit less so Miami, but a, a lot like Indian Wells. So I think what we see this week will give us a good sense of what what's coming in, in Indian Wells. Yeah, big headlines so far for me. Uh, it's been one day and probably the most exciting tournament since the AO. Runa Shelton was great. Tiafo Nishioka was great. Uh, both favorites covered there. Isner gets a cover by the hook against Fritz. Shapo won for a change. Hey, Shapo. Philly Lopez wins as a 4-1 to dog against Chris Eubanks and his first what? ATP main draw win since 2021. I mean, we've been trying to fade Eubanks for weeks. <laughs> and finally, a nice dog price comes in all right guys well, let's hop into some current odds here i don't want to go into too many of the matches tonight because i'm not 100 sure when i'm going to be able to get this out i am going to have this out in time though i think for this this one match we will talk about tonight and that's uh the brandon nakashima daniel altmeyer match uh they've never played before Altmaier is a lucky loser after falling to Nuno Borges in the final round. Brando has only played two matches this year. He lost to both Fokina and Mackey McDonald in Australia. He withdrew from Dallas. And another thing that sucks about tennis in general is trying to get injury information because there wasn't a ton on that. I, and I did pretty extensive research to try to find. I think it was a knee, but I'm not 100% sure. He hasn't been past round one here in Acapulco, but he played well, plays well in Los Cabos. So, solar conditions, uh, certainly not, you know, unfavorable for, for Nakashima. And a big thing for me is there's been massive movement toward Nakashima. I want to say this has fallen 50 cents as well. Wolf yesterday moved from minus 150 and closed around minus 200, a, a massive movement. This is kind of the reverse where Nakashima was around minus 250, now down to under minus 200 in some places. I I kind of understand the reasoning. You know, he he hasn't played a lot. We're not sure we're, what we're going to get. He doesn't have a great record here. Uh, Altmaier, though, is not particularly a great opponent <laughs> to be, like, you know, hammering uh, in this matchup. So I, I don't really get chasing the dog here. Um, I think it's a power mismatch uh, to me. Uh, as well the line is currently at three and the total is uh 22 and a half i wouldn't i wouldn't bet it but uh, i also understand the rationale towards moving the price a little bit uh shorter for altmeyer because he he hits a pretty heavy top spin ball on both wings he's a he's a one-handed backhand too which just adds to that so i i get it the conditions are really nice for him he's also really comfortable on clay really did well in that clay challenger swing at the end of last year so it's understandable. These are kind of clay-ish courts anyway, just without the movement aspect. So I get that. And and also with the unknowns with, with Nakashima. But like you said, he, he's done all right in Los Cabos, which is pretty similar. Maybe not as gritty as Acapulco, but yeah, I'm not I'm not backing Allmeyer here either because it's not fun to, to fade Brandon. And he comes in and just starts ripping serves. But uh, with considering how poor his return is, it's, it's definitely a, a decent opportunity for Allmeyer. Yeah, I agree with Avery, especially after losing my JJ Wolf bet yesterday. Um, it's like Nakashima's got that big shot too, and but Altmaier is like established on clay, established uh, relative term. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you got to learn lessons from losses, right? And yesterday's JJ Wolf loss like has me thinking that like I, I kind of understand this Altmaier movement as well. I remember. Altmaier, though, in, in the qualifying. Uh, well, first of all, losing to, to Nuno Borges in qualifying, who, uh, you know, is not exactly uh, the most attacking, powerful player. 
kind of someone who, who feasts off of his opponent's errors a, a little bit. I mean, I, I definitely think that Brandon is going to crush this guy in terms of winners. I hate being the guy who constantly like lays games <laughs> with favorites on this podcast, but I, I kind of like the three. I kind of like Brandon to get there. I would say, though, um, there's probably going to be a lot of breaks in this match, so maybe a breaks prop is the, is the way to go. Some of these books now, th- th- that's actually just a great way to play um, Acapulco in general uh, because uh, these sets are averaging like at least two breaks per match per set. I think uh, Nakashima is a solid leg and a parlay. I, I would be interested in laying the three games here. I Altmaier stinks, I think. So <laughs> that's just my personal opinion. I've just like <laughs> chased this guy so much as a dog before in the past, and he like never comes through for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, You're not wrong when you say he stinks. <laughs> I definitely think a, 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 a difference in class here uh, with uh, Brando, you know, a, a next-gen finalist winner and um, certainly someone that people have a lot of expectations for moving forward here. I, I think that, you know, the fears of him coming out in a letdown spot after not having a great year so far, I actually think it's a, a nice bounce back and a get-right spot for him. So, all right, well, let's flip the page over to tomorrow. We got Tiafo and Philly Lopez playing in a surprise uh, match since... Felly was about a four uh, plus 400 dog against Eubanks. Big foe is minus four and a half. Now that's up to minus 145. So he's essentially yeah. a minus five uh, favorite. Uh, he's minus 1100 uh, on the money line here. And uh, the game's total is at 20 and a half, which I think given the four and a half and the, the healthy money line <laughs> at laying $11 to win a dollar with big foe, Lopez is plus six fifty. I think attacking the under twenty and a half, yeah, is not is not a bad look. I think that's pretty. Ge- I think that's pretty generous to even get that twenty and a half. Um, but a six four six four win for Big Foe, you even have some leeway with just one break. Um, not not a bad look for this match. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think your math is correct on that one. I think the odds makers math's a little off. So. With like a basically a essentially a minus five for Tiafo, and you got a under at 20 and a half at minus 110 currently for the Bovada boys out there. Uh, yeah, no, I think your assessment's correct on that one. I'd go with the under. I'm admittedly someone that does not enjoy playing spreads and totals in tennis because the scoring system is so weird in the sense that, like in basketball, for example, if you think a team's going to win by 14 and a half. The games, the, the scoring remains the same throughout the entire. So if you win the first half by 15, dominate, win the second half, maybe struggle a little bit, win it by two. Okay, that's a cover. Tennis, you win the first set 6-4, your guy plays well. Tough second set, he's, you know, two and a half game favorite. Tough second set, gets down a break, maybe was was on return to start, so gets down double break. Okay, it's, it's 5-1. I'm not even going to bother with this game. Or it's 4-1. I'm not even going to bother anymore. Let's just get ready for the third. All of a sudden, it's third set, and then he comes out like a new player. I don't know. That's just my uh, my PSA for for the non-experienced tennis betters. But yeah, this is the, the classic dilemma. So with all that being said, this is the classic dilemma of, of do you take the spread and and hope that you have the insurance in a third set? That, like if Feli wins the second set 7-6, you can come out and win the, the third 6-1. Or insurance against uh, uh, just two breaks and it being a short 6-4, 6-4 match. Not going to be a fun watch, to be honest, but it's okay. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be one-way traffic with uh, Giafo. I mean, I think Philly will you get some. You would think so. You would think so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Philly will get some shots back here, uh, but uh, certainly a class up from uh, Chris Eubanks 
last match. Um, all right, well, let's move it on to Michael Moe versus Tommy Paul. They haven't; these guys haven't played since 2019, but they battled a lot in their younger days. With Moe actually leading in head-to-head three-one in those younger days, all their matches going three sets here. Michael Moe, uh, certainly a banner 23 for him, up to uh, 80th, I think, in the in the rankings. Um, he's picking up some nice wins. Uh, along the way here and we're talking about him on this podcast uh, which we haven't before <laughs> so uh there you go a- a- there's some evidence right there tommy paul uh covered last night uh in his matchup against uh indoor challenger grinder emilio gomez uh, john's not here to defend him so i will bury him i think that guy's not very good um but he did catch for me against kashmanovich uh, at dallas which i enjoyed um so thank you for that mr gomez uh but i don't know man this is a, a tough matchup here i should give the, the the line tommy paul is laying three and a half games he's minus 275 on the money line the total is 22 and a half michael moe is a healthy plus 20 plus 225 on the money line i think this match is uh maybe a little bit closer uh than the plus 225 uh, Derek, I know you're kind of a Mo guy. Uh, several podcasts now, you think this guy is underrated. Uh, you said I do that. think he's underrated. Yeah, um, he's a little crafty player. I mean, he, he looks like the Incredible Hulk physically, <laughs> but like he, he doesn't hit the ball very hard. I mean, he's just a crafty player. And uh, um, what do I think is going to happen in this match? I honestly, I'd take the over. I think both of them are going to win a set. Um, you could take minus or I mean plus one and a half for Mo um set wise. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that this matchup for Tommy is very good. Like I think this matchup does favor Michael Mo, but I don't think it favors him enough to for him to win the match. Uh like especially with his court speed, I think like it'll highlight Mo's uh, ability to, you know, come to the net, make some crafty shots and make things a a little bit confusing for Tommy. Yeah, Paul Paul does have good results on these slower courts. He only lost to Rafa last year at Acapulco. I think that was a semi, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, He also did well at Indian Wells last year. He got that really nice win over Demonor. I, Mo, Mo, man, like what, what a year for Michael Mo. Like you said, he looks like the Incredible Hulk. It's a great analysis and then he comes out with his like pushy backhand uh-huh. and spinny forehand I, I don't understand the guy he, he he makes some of the worst misses i've ever seen in my life like <laughs> misses that i will make on the court that just like pure you know rec players will make and then he has points where he's just flying around the court and playing defense like he's he's rough and a doll I, I don't understand the guy but yeah i guess you have to say he's underweighted credit to him yeah, it's a tough one for Tommy, but Tommy's pretty comfortable here. He also plays a decently high margin, high margin stroke. So it, the price seems about somewhat right. I know I wasn't, you know, I got brought on the pod to just be like, ah, oh, these, these prices look good. But <laughs> this was another one where uh, where I think it looks looks about right. Yeah, Mo could definitely give him some problems, but that plus 225, I don't know if I like that. Uh, as a quarterfinal last year with uh, Nadal bageling. Uh, Thank you. Tommy in the first set there. But a good um, second set, a good second set. It was a tie break second set. Um, I, I, for me too, it's like Tommy Paul is a mental, um, uh, a, a mental case, um, especially when he comes to closing out. He almost blew it uh, last night and went to a third with Gomez. 
Uh, Mo is not someone that I think you want to play that game with because um, all he's going to do is just keep returning. Um, so I, I kind of agree with Derek here. The over is a pretty solid play. Maybe plus one and a half sets with Mo at minus one thirty. I wish it was a little cheaper on that. So yeah. you know, maybe a way to get there is is, is the over. All right, we have a rematch of uh, Taylor Fritz and Dennis Shapovalov. Shapo just beat Fritz on indoor hard in Vienna at the end of last year, six one four six six three. These are obviously different courts than that. Uh, Shapo leads 5-2 head-to-head in this matchup overall. So Shapo, uh, I mean, he can win matches. We've seen it <laughs> last time out. But he has been the ultimate fade in 2023. Um, I mean, the, this guy's a print machine, uh, a reverse print machine in terms of uh, of fading him. Oh, my God. Uh I can't believe he pulled that out again. First of all, unbelievable choke by this guy two times. I seriously can't believe he he pulled this out. He was about to serve out the first set against Keshmanovic, chokes that, loses a tiebreak, then has an unbelievable Shapo second set. This is the blueprint, right? He chokes out the first, plays unreal in the second, and then squanders away the third somehow. Keshmanovic wasn't playing even that great. So I think that's how he ended up on top at the end. Uh, but he choked that away again yesterday. and uh, But he got the break back uh, to win 7-5, I believe. Um, now he's playing Fritz. Fritz obviously loves these conditions. But Fritz has been up and down as well. He did win Delray. Um, but he did not have a great AO. He got bounced by... Um, Booya Bing at Dallas, a, a match I believe he was about to be a set and a breakup in and couldn't convert the break points. And he's just, you know, he's Fritz. <laughs> sometimes he plays good. Well said. Well said. Well said. Well said. Sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> um, Fritz was minus 150, I believe, on the money line. And Shapo is plus 125 as the dog. No, oh, we've got some movement. Minus one sixty for Fritz, plus one thirty two for Shapo. So Fritz, money coming in a little bit. Twenty three is the uh, total here. I'm not sure. I mean, I want to back Fritz. I don't love that it's already moved ten cents since I've <laughs> prepped the show sheet. <laughs> um, that only leads me to believe by tomorrow he's going to be up to about minus one eighty. Uh, I mean. <laughs> And Sha- I mean, at, at what point does Shapo actually become a value? This, this, this is right up there with the toughest matches to bet because you got to go in there knowing exactly who you got. Like the way you described Fritz is great. Like what a great player! Now fifth in the world, so solid. But he's Fritz. He's going to go play Popper in, and all of a sudden he's screwed. He plays Wu Bing and can't convert one of. 20 break points. It's hyperbole, but, you know, and he's up five. It was five. He had five in one was, game. Was zero four, or I'm sorry, zero four. It was uh, four five, love 30, and gets out of that game too with more break points, I think. And then just breaks him because Fritz is like broken. Um, good conditions for Shapo, like you said. Also good conditions for Fritz. One Indian Wells, which is really similar. Shapo with a little bit of added time is pretty dangerous, but he, he Kasmanovic was not playing well yesterday, which is a bit surprising to see. 
I think this is probably a good spot for Fritz. I know he does have some injury concerns too, though, which like you said, we have trouble getting info on tennis injuries, but they were saying that on the, on the broadcast the other day. So I don't know. Um, not surprised to see the line move towards Fritz though. No. Chapo has been the ultimate fade here. Derek, what do you think? Dude, I am never, ever going to back Chapo <laughs> probably ever again in my entire life. So this is the dumbest question you've ever asked me. Um, I'm taking Fritz. Speaking of Fritz injuries, and I know this is a little off topic, it's still about tennis and it's back to that break point show. Like that Fritz episode was so funny about how they like highlighted Fritz's injury and then he went on and beat Nadal at Indian Wells and they didn't even mention a single thing about Nadal being hurt. So, I mean, that's just goes to show how much they don't like address injuries. They don't even do it on Netflix. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's all Hollywood stuff, too. They should just leave that stuff out. But anyway, back to the bet. Nadal in top form. Prince (laughs) takes him down. It's like this whole, like, package montage about how, like, Nadal's just some beast, but which he is, and that package was completely correct, but they completely left out the part where he just had this huge abdominal pectoral injury. Um, But anyway, yeah, Fritz minus two. Dude, that's, that's pretty good. Um. I mean, and even if you don't like the spread, like the, uh, like if you want to play the one sixty minus one sixty, I don't really have a problem with that. I would not do that. I mean, that's out of my price range for betting on a money line. But dude, I, I can't imagine Fritz losing this match. Like he's Chapo, just so erratic. And if you saw him yesterday, his backhand just was spraying out of control in the first set. And even the conditions, I think, would help out that left-handed, one-handed backhand because it bounces up pretty high, and he hits that thing pretty damn high. So, um, But like I said, it's very erratic, and you never even know if it's going to ever land in or out of bounds, and neither does Chapo. So he keeps trying, though. I think I'm, I'm really glad. Go ahead. Just back to that break. I'm I'm just really glad that I'm not the only one that had this viewpoint. Ever since last year, I've had beef with Taylor Fritz because of his behavior at Indian Wells. I think, like, I'm not a conspiracy guy at all. But what, first of all, what was that? I don't know if you guys have addressed this. It was the weirdest situation ever. You you you're reading reports in the morning. It's like the guy can barely walk. And all of a sudden he's playing the best final of his life. Uh And then in this Netflix doc. They didn't say a word. I, I could have sworn the argument originally was that he injured his ankle against Rublev in that semi. They didn't say a word about it. And then they just like got to the, to the practice. He's like, ah, I'm in most pain in my life. Yeah. I don't and think then I can the go. coaches are like, no, you can't play. And he's like, no, I'm going to play. And then he plays the first point. He's rolling around and he's like laughing. I'm like, what is going on? Uh-huh. And then he beats the doll. All right. So like, cool. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, no, I definitely bet Nadal that match, too. And I'm like, dude, he instantly broke Nadal in, like, the very first game. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I was like, wait, this guy's hurt? And there was, like, all that footage that morning of him just, like, practicing for literally five seconds. And he's like, okay, do it. And then watching the the Hollywood Netflix version, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're just milking this so hard. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Taylor Fritz. You owe me money for that, for being a liar. You know well, what he the, the worst one was Wimbledon is when he's playing Nadal and Nadal has legitimately cannot serve properly and he just can't get it done. That one was worse. 
that was the reverse. Yeah, um, right. What about uh, that Indian Wells day? Uh, Anacone, Paul Anacone was playing both sides because he's on Fritz's team and then he's also on Tennis Channel. So he's like just feeding disinformation on the network. Of, oh, oh, yeah, like, right. I didn't even think inter- about that. A crazy <laughs> scenario. Like, honestly, one of the craziest stories of last year. I 100% agree. It was very annoying and frustrating because I would have loved to play Fritz because I wanted to play Fritz. <laughs> um, he's got uh, a broken but- ankle. You can't play him. Uh, one last thought, though. Um, you know, we give Shapo for a, a lot of shit for his unforced errors, but Fritz is, I mean, right up there with being one of the most unclean players uh, there are. This guy's equally sprays, and I think that's probably why the 5-2 head-to-head exists. I mean, if he didn't give away all those free points, it'd probably be a little bit more level, even, you know, over the history, which dates back, you know, a little further than Fritz's ascension, which is 2021, um, essentially. Um, but still, uh, you know, if, if Fritz was a little cleaner, I would say Fritz in a runaway. Um, he, he can just leave the door open here. But I, I agree. But what about, I was looking here, Fritz 2-0 is plus 155. I, that's not, I mean, not terrible if you like the Fritz side. Terms of you yeah. know looking looking for value uh, ways to play this or Fritz two one plus two ninety five. <laughs> I mean, you could there's a way you could play that or stack your units where you could come out on top if you like the Fritz side versus just eating all the juice. Yeah, you know? um, yeah. I'll, right. I'll push back a little and say Fritz has probably gotten better with the rally tolerance in the last year or so. To his credit, but a guy like Shapo can almost like force him into that. It's the same thing as Poprin, where if guys are, are hitting well, striking clean, and putting the pressure on him, then he struggles. But usually when he's dealing with like more pushy types, like even Ketsmanovich and Del Rey, like he struggles a little bit, had a drop, drops that second set. But really, if you're just feeding him nothing, he has no issue generating his own pace. Shapo, if you put the pressure on Fritz, you know, like he just starts questioning himself again. You have the head to head too. I guess that's where Fritz gets loose and then he starts missing balls. Yeah. Well, all right. I I agree. Um, he's a he's a little cl- little cleaner than Chapo. <laughs> we should just call Brandon Holt right now and ask him what what Fritz is a uh, down. Holt up. I and actually now that you mention that that is literally the like zero pace player and that guy just dismantled Fritz over the last three sets of that match. So I don't maybe yeah, my analysis is poor there. I mean, he's probably not doing anything right now, and he's probably definitely willing to be on this podcast. <laughs> I'll tell, you, tell you what he did recently was lose to Sandgren when I bet on him. <laughs> the Cleveland Challenge. Anyway. Um, all right. Well, one last match that we have odds for here, and that's Casper um, Rude, who was in a battle as a huge favorite yesterday, but he got it out of three-cent win. Um, playing Tarot Daniel, the aforementioned Tarot Daniel. Uh, Rude beat Daniel all the way back in 2016 on clay, 6-3, six, 6-4. Six, four. four game spread here. Uh, Rude is about minus 340 on the money line here. The total is a 21 and a half. And uh, this is a, I, I mean, I know Rude played bad last time, but I'm just going to run it back and fade Tarot Daniel once again. I I'm, I will happily lay the four uh, with Rude in this match. Uh, I And that's even... I think that it could be a tight first set with, uh, you know, even a, a seven, six first set. And I still think he gets there <laughs> in the second set. Uh, Cause that's kind of the, the rude pattern too. Um, 
I, I do wonder if this gets uh, steamed a little bit uh, with people, you know, seeing Rude's last result and uh, and Daniel, you know, off the hot win against Wolf. Um, so you might want to watch and see if this comes down a little bit um, over time. But uh, yeah, I like I like Rude um, here a lot. Yeah, I'm with you. That match last night for Rude was not up to his standards. And Tarot Daniel, yeah, he did win, but he didn't impress me. Um, I, I expect Rude to rebound from this. He looked like, as what the announcers or the commentators were saying last night, he's like, he looks just relieved. He doesn't look happy that he won this match. And uh, yeah, I agree with that. So um, Rude, two sets or straights to win in straights is minus 125. Oh, wow. Really? I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I like that. So um, this yeah. guy's not dropping a set to Tarotino. I I, I, I just feel like definitely shouldn't, like, but he could, but like, yeah, unless I, he totally like gives up another dud performance, but he just hits the ball too clean. He doesn't give a lot of errors. I just don't see a pathway for, for Daniel here. Plus he's got a lot of top spin on his ball too. That should help out a lot at this court. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I would go with two Oh, it's, it's an interesting one. Cause, cause betting like reversion to the mean is so, such like a quality piece of, of like guiding light to use because people will play like they normally play more so than they will. Like Tara Daniel played a phenomenal match. Rude played perhaps the worst match I've ever seen him play. So to his credit, he got through that. I can't think of a worse match that I've seen from Rude, to be honest. And that's no discredit to, to Andriozzi, who's playing really well, but you know he's, he's obviously not on the same level of, of player. So yeah, if, if they play like their normal selves, it's a 2-0 win. Yeah. Two nil. So soccer in me. Two zero win. <laughs> What's soccer again? We'll allow <laughs> it. We'll allow it. All right, guys. Well, let's deep dive into some deeper uh, draw talk here and uh, look at this from a macro perspective uh, in terms of who's going to make a run. And uh, I'll lead it off with my pick to win the whole thing. And that is Holger Runa. Uh, he's taking on Nuno Borges, probably, or Chapp- I mean, Nick Chappelle, Qualiden as well as Borges. Um, Chappelle cashed as a, a, a plus 500 dog against Stevie Johnson in the first round of qualifying, um, a match that uh, only a true degenerate like myself watched. <laughs> um, uh, but to quote uh, John, um, who's not here, I will use his words to describe Nick Chappelle as he did in our, our, our podcast chat, which is he's one of the worst players he's ever seen. Right, that's that's accurate. Uh, so, but just, the guy, the guy is the same. Where he gets results in these Los Cabos, he did the same thing. He qualified in Los Cabos too. I know. I that's why. I, like, that's I, why I, I, go, go ahead. Sorry, it's just so confusing. No, I agree. I'm, I'm just like he's so bad. Yeah, but he quality, gets it out. He's definitely a competitor. That quality run in Los Cabos is why I was kind of eyeing that match in the first place. I was like, he seems to get like Mexico. He's, I mean, Stevie's, a, I feel like not me, but someone who's relatively good at tennis probably should be shorter <laughs> than 500 plus 500 against Stevie at this point. I mean, th- like Stevie has not been good. He doesn't have any results really. So anyway, um, I like Runa to get through whatever, whoever he plays in that match. Um, now Nori's pull, pulled out. Um, uh, I'll, I'll just say, I'll just say, if if if, if Chapel beats Nuno Borges, who is so solid, like I I will quit. There is no <laughs> way Nuno Borges just won Monterey Challenger. 
playing the best tennis of his life. He's such a solid player. Like you said, he feeds, feeds, feeds off of errors. What is Chapel going to do? Like, I, I, tennis betting is so weird, but and, and betting in general, and that's why it's so hard to win because it's just so random at times. But what is this guy going to do to beat Borges? Like, like, come on, man. Like, uh, just remember this next week when Chapel, when you know, somehow gets it out. But like, I, I will be mortified. Yeah, no, Sorry. he's going to have to like poison Borges before the match. That's the only possible way. With Nori out, uh, it seems like Berrettini is the only uh, real competition here uh, for Bruna. Um, I mean, Berrettini obviously has uh, you know the talent, the top end talent to to, to beat Runa, uh, but he's going to make it through Molchan. I mean, that's not a guaranteed win. Uh, Berrettini has been pretty hit or miss. He did beat Rude at United Cup for uh, at United Cup for a pretty big win uh, in 2023. So he has a, a nice win. Uh, here uh, in the calendar year, but at the same time, it's, he's definitely not the the player that um, is a two time uh, or a, a slam final, not two time, but a slam finalist. Um, yeah, so I, I like Rude into the semis or Runa into the semis, and then he's going to play Rude or ADM probably, um, and I like him against both those guys. Yeah. Um, and then the top half, Alcaraz is pulled out, so you know. It, it's either going to be Fritz, Chapo, Tommy Paul. I like Runa against those guys too. So uh, that Shelton match, that Shelton Runa match was really impressive on both sides. Um, Shelton, yeah. to me, that was in a loss, was the most impressive match he had, or it was a more impressive match than anything he did in Australia. Uh, he showed a lot more variety with what he could do as a player. Um, he wasn't just um, serving, and the competition was obviously way more or way higher level than what he played in Australia. Um, and Runa, you know, he had to gut it out and figure it out and he did, and he pulled it out. And so I think that, you know, health is always a, a scare uh, with him. <laughs> so, <laughs> and he's coming off the, the wrist injury. So, but uh, you know, he, he, he did so in oh, a wrist uh, injury. Yeah, hmm. he did. He did well last night. He didn't really show any signs. Uh, actually got stronger as the match went on. Uh, and he covered not only one, which uh, uh, which was impressive uh, as well. So I, I I like Holger here myself. Yeah, I don't have anything really to, against that. Um, he's plus four fifty on the futures odds. But yeah, if you look at the slate, I mean, they already broke it down. I think the only guy that's kind of in his way is Berrettini, only because I haven't seen him play this week. I don't know what he's gonna bring, but still, like I think that. Runa's gonna would beat him anyway, and yeah, he dropped a set to Shelton last night, but he still played freaking really good. And Ben Shelton played extremely good too. And those guys were just beating each other up. Um, and like I was saying earlier about the ball bouncing pretty high, I think it really helps out taller players, and Runa fits that mold. So it's it's just an, another point in his column. Yeah, the, the conditions are pretty tough for Berrettini, I would say, though, because when he, he's just so rally intolerant, especially uh-huh. on that backhand side, because it's just so bad. Yeah, so bad. That he, he can only do so much on these slow courts with the serve and, and forehand, which are absolutely massive. But like in, in on grass, he can he just never has to hit a backhand, really. And the slice kind of helps him out a little bit, even. But here he has no choice. Like he, he could have matches and we really don't know. Like you said, he could have matches where he just serves it up not really much you can do when he's serving well you know best you get to a breaker but he really should be getting into rallies and at that point he's not the favorite against a lot of the tour 
um, on these courts, especially when he's going to be presumably a little bit rusty. So I think the rune shot's great. I, that, that wrist injury last week, again, I'm, you know, a, a cynic, but I also want to give players a lot of the benefit of the doubt, but he was kind of just getting whooped. And then all of a sudden he's got some big wrist problem. I was really confused by that one. And then he's okay to play a week later. I don't know, or two weeks later. So credit to him for his fast recovery. And I'm glad it's not something worse. And because of that, that 450 looks awesome. In the top half, I would say, I mean, we're staring out, staring down a lot of guys who, you know, played each other a lot. We got the Fritz Chapo. They've played a lot. You know, if Fritz gets through, he's probably going to play Tiafo. Um, him or Chapo, I believe they've both played Tiafo a lot. You know, that's going to be a spot where Tiafo has to overcome some probably some lopsided head to heads there. So, uh, you know, I think we would lean either Chapo or Fritz over Big Foe, sadly. Um, and then it's Tommy Paul Nakashima uh, in, in the in the top. Um, so, I mean, Fritz has a real chance here uh, in the top half uh, as the number five player in the world uh, to be that guy. So, yeah. um, if you if you like a longer shot, maybe you like Foe to, to get over the hump. Um, yeah, I think Foe's issue, he just hit so flat off that backhand wing that he could be in a bit of trouble. I, it was a really impressive win over Yoshi, though, to his credit, because these conditions are so good for Yoshi. So credit to Foe, who was coming off of an electric NBA All-Star Weekend performance. In, did, uh, did he have the first basket? Did he? I didn't see the game, but I know he scored. I know he scored at least once. I because I, I Well, I bet on him 18-1 uh, to 1 to be MVP. Cause... I can't believe you even got a line on that. That's incredible. <laughs> wow, what a world. That's incredible. But Did he was nine to one that? For... Uh he was nine to one to be first basket. I think he got the first basket. Okay, this first basket props in the celebrity game. That's cracking me up. Dude, it's still I'm... more it's still more legit than that all-star game, though. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you that. No, I mean for sure. And like uh, the Peloton guy, I mean, I wish I would have known. I mean well, first of all, DK Metcalf just like out alpha to everybody <laughs> and was like legitimately like Sean Kemp out there. <laughs> um, uh, but the Peloton guy was like really good. Um, and he, he was the MVP the year before. Um, anyway, that's some random talk. All right. Well, let's um, keep it moving here and get on to ATP, ATP Dubai. Um the Dubai Duty-Free Tennis Championships. Quicker outdoor hard cards here. This has also been around since 1993. Andre Rublev is the defending champ and already picked up a win and a cover, which he has not been doing lately, famously mm-hmm. taking L's on him on this podcast. Uh, myself, he beat uh, Yuri Vesely uh, 6-3, 6-4 last year. Vesely beat Novak last year in his return to the tour during his run to the title match. Aslan Karatsev won in 2021, beating Lloyd Harris. Djokovic won in 2020, Fed in 2019, both beating Tsitsipas to get the win. Djokovic has won five times. Fed has won eight times. But it seems a big serve can take you far here. Going to be in the low 80s and mostly sunny all week. Uh, some clouds on Thursday. Winds around 10 to 11 miles per hour. So probably you know similar conditions to Doha last week in terms of the wind. Um, big headlines so far. Novak survived a good battle from t- uh, Tomas yeah. uh, Mahach. Played, uh, I played the first set money line plus five hundred, uh, but a set, but to win a set would have been a better play. 
Um, the six games cash, but I want to know part of that. Uh, I, I, I just wanted to set at a nice juicy price. Uh, Bodic picked up a nice dog win against uh, Chanoff. Uh, Kakanakis handed Halis another tiebreak, like another tiebreak loss. He's now one and fourteen this season in those. Meh. Yeah, pretty bad. Um, Pavel Kotov, uh, Kotov, qualies in and picks up a nice dog win against Poprin. Um, any outstanding or overall Dubai thoughts? Tough, tough to be Novak anywhere, but if there's one time to do it, it is in the period after the Australian Open with these types of tournaments. Dubai, I guess he's not going to the U.S. or he's not allowed to go to the U.S., which is a shame. And then uh, early clay swing, so Monte Carlo in particular, because he's notoriously, his fitness is kind of geared towards peaking at these slams, which is really smart. Uh, and that leaves him a little bit vulnerable in Dubai, like against Vesely last year. I don't do, I don't know if you guys were watching the match today as well, but what do you guys know what he had in his mouth? There was something really weird, like some sort of contraption or something that he was had in his mouth pr- pretty much half of the second set. And if not the whole third set, it was really fascinating. I, I didn't see anything about it, really. But if anyone has insight into that, I only he- watched the first and then when he lost and I said I literally tweeted out he watched Mahach win the, the second, which he then did. <laughs> um, I was uh, score tracking uh, only. I, I did not see it. Yeah, me neither. I'm going to guess he was whitening his teeth, though. <laughs> I'm guessing it's some sort of like, I don't know, some sort of edge. <laughs> yeah, it's something smart for sure. Um. All right. Well, let's stop, dive into some current odds talk here. Andre Rublev, who this guy has uh, confounded me. Uh, the last two weeks, uh, and here we are once again. He's laying four games uh, <laughs> against uh, Davidovich Rukina. Uh, he's minus 270 on the money line. Fokina's plus 220 as a dog. It's a 22 uh, total here. The, the defending champ, what do we think about with this matchup? I mean, I personally can't be on a third street podcast laying games <laughs> with Rublev. Um so I'm gonna hard pass this one, <laughs> but I, I, because I, I, I honestly like Rublev again. <laughs> That's crazy. You picked him to win like a couple weeks ago. The entire two weeks in a row, Derek. I, I'm yeah, waiting yeah. for it. No, this is. I'm telling you, man. We're we're away. We're a week early. Always like oh, we, we, we like uh, what's his name? We were on. We, um, I was like, we liked Munar last week, and like I was like, watch Munar win today. Does. <laughs> <laughs> well, watch the bear win today he does <laughs> like so i don't know I, i'm like maybe we're just we're we're a little bit too ahead of the curve on some of these we're we're all we're all a mush man i mean everyone every gambler in their own right is a mush because yeah. uh you will back someone and then they will play poorly the next week they will turn right around save every break point and, and get that win yeah um i'm gonna take Fokino on this one <laughs> uh, plus four games i mean you're looking at minus 130 though rublev minus four at even money yeah but fokina i mean four games uh, you gotta basically play a perfect game if you're gonna cover for rublev and i, I think fokina can hit the ball hard enough uh, i think they have similar styles in a sense and yeah i don't know i, I really think that fokina can stay in it long enough to to 
for Rula not to cover. Nothing against you, Dave. It's just no, I, I, really I what I feel I, with this matchup. Go ahead. I, I, I kind of align with Dave on Rublev. I'm I'm vulnerable to like getting burnt by Rublev too, <laughs> because I'm such a believer. But I just don't understand why he struggles so much. I would take. It's all Ru- mental. I think it's, it's Ru- yeah, it's mental. But I would take him here too against uh, uh, Fakina. Has been playing well, but these conditions for Rublev are so good. But yeah, it's mental. I actually honestly feel bad for him. I thought that Australian Open win was going to be so big for him mentally, and then he's kind of just reverted. I think he's like, like honestly, on a on a serious level, I think he's really battling some inner demons. I don't know. I what yeah, I feel is. the same. Yeah, yeah, he's he's clearly. So I I feel for Andre. He seems like a cool dude, like and a good tennis player who who yeah. burns Dave and I. Well, the yeah. Rublo era was zero and three outside of Melbourne <laughs> until he picked up a, a, a dub. Uh, he was about to blow that match too until he, um, I think it was five two down, and came back to win or something like that. Um, it's Krajinovich. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to Bodic uh, BDZ against Michael Emer. Uh, this is a pick. Bodic has a a pretty nice win against yeah. uh, Hachanov and conditions I think would be favorable to, to the Russian. Um, so a pretty solid dub. Michael Emer, he beats a up and coming Italian player, probably more suited on clay than Passero. Um, but at pick, I think I picked Bodic. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the points are going to be quicker, um, which, you know, Emer likes a longer rally. Um, and I think Bodic has a, a bit of a stronger serve here, um, than Emer. So that, I think that's going to be more of a weapon for him. Um, Emer though, he's just so all over the place in terms of his results. Sometimes he's good. <laughs> yeah. I think in Acapulco, you probably take Emer and yeah. then in Dubai, you take the Dutchman. Yeah, for sure. Especially at the, I mean, if it's just pick, I'll take Bodic. For sure. No, I agree with you. Emer is really a hard cookie to understand, too, because he, he was lights out sometimes. He played well against Herkoc, too, but the issue is he just has moments where he's he provides nothing. So it's really just does the opponent miss or not, and that's literally it. Like, he'll he'll get into an offensive position and just kind of, like, backpedal to the to the back of the court and just totally reset that point. Uh, but he's he's really solid when he's on. He can truly almost beat anyone, but then, you know, you have those times where I think he lost to Ivashka famously, like 6-0-6-2, and like a, a, a what's that tournament in Wake Forest? Um, yeah, Winston-Salem. The Winston-Salem, thank you, in that final. <laughs> Just like was completely outclassed after beating Carlos. So, yeah. Odd, odd, odd guy. Carlos was horrible in that match, though. He, I mean, yeah. he couldn't get, hit the ball in the court. Um, Derek, uh, well, I, w- I would say Emer, too, he did trend up in Washington, which is not one for one with uh, these courts, but they are quicker courts. Um, Emer did. So, I mean, he's not exactly um, someone who can't play well on quicker courts. Yeah. Yeah. Emer's just erratic at times, too. I mean, you don't ever know when it's going to come. And then it just, there's like a flash of, of him just being uh, this a very erratic tennis player. And it's just not very consistent. And I believe, Bodic is just more of a consistent 
tennis player. I mean, his serve's pretty good. I, I used to think that he was like a serve guy, but he's not really, but his serve is good. So um, at a pick, like you're saying, I, I'd much rather put my money on Bodic. And all right, so we all we all like Bodic there. Yeah, we're all in agreement. Okay, lose, rip it on Emer. <laughs> <laughs> Conventional yeah, right. wisdom. That is funny how it works. I mean, most of the time when we're all three uh, in consensus, it does go down in flames. <laughs> I mean, it's it's that's how betting is designed. It's like you you have to almost fade yourself. It's really weird. It's really weird. Um, Alexander Zverev is a three and a half game favorite against uh, the Australian Chris O'Connell. Did I say is it Chris O'Connell? Shit. Did I yeah. no, Chris O'Connell. Against the Australian Chris O'Connell, who had a nice uh, dog win against Rusevori. And I thankfully faded Rusevori, uh, who I now will ultimately always fade as opposed to arguing there's value on him on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, O'Connell is plus 270. Uh, on the money line that's down he was up over uh, 300 so it's coming down a bit uh you know the classics verified seems to be coming in and you know it i mean at plus 270 that's still quite a lot here for o'connell who's been playing pretty well zverev um zverev has to redline on serve to win he has to win 80 plus percent of his first serve points to win um otherwise he can't rally so, I mean, if you're giving me three and a half games with Chris O'Connell, I'll take him. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It's really Zverev is so reliant on that big first serve because he doesn't have much rally tolerance right now. And I think he, he took advantage of Yuri, who was pretty tired, I think, um, after that long week in, in Doha. So I, I think your analysis is spot on there. Yeah, I'm with you as well. So, or were you just flipping the bet or what? <laughs> no, <laughs> no we, uh, we're all. No, you don't do that with Zverev. Zverev, you don't do that with Shapo. Some guys are immune. I would say, I don't know that I hammered the money line. I would take the games here because, uh, you know, I do think Zverev is pretty live in the match. Um, O'Connell, you know, not exactly a world beater, does, you know, play well in a hard court. Um, but, you know, it's still Zverev. Um, so, and, and honestly, he should have beat Murray. He was a setup against Greek Spore. So um, I, I do think uh, we're getting closer to Zverev being the player that he was, but not quite there yet. All right. Uh, Felix uh, is minus three and a half against Lorenzo Sinego. Uh FAA is minus 320 money line. Sinego is plus 260 as a dog. 22 and a half game total here. Uh, Felix went one for 14 today on breakpoint against uh, Mr. Cressy, um, who also gifted him the record amount of double faults. <laughs> what, a uh, so, what a match! Uh, did not cover the two and a half for me. Thank you, FAA. I, unbelievable. I mean, one for 14. Uh, FAA, I was. I was on the way to the airport actually, and I was just happened to watch his his second set against Med. He is a shame, honestly. It is honestly a shame that that guy he is too good to be as much of a choker as he is. Because I don't want to use that term like lightly, but Felix simply combusts, and it's been happening for three years. And I thought he got over it when he started winning titles, and he and he almost beat Med in the Australian Open. And I thought we were past it. 
the guy is just completely the same. If you put him in the pressure cooker, he is, it, is, it is likely he will he will combust. And that is really sad because his forehand is so big and his serve is so big, but the backhand just breaks down. And the forehand starts breaking down too. So, Yeah, I agree. He's not as good as he should be. But he's only like, what, 21, 22? Yeah, he is super young. A lot of these guys are so young still. Yeah, it's like Med didn't hit his prime until he was like, what, 25, 26? So. Um, but still, it's like he doesn't even put up a fight against Med. It's kind of crazy. It's like he just goes out there and he's like, oh, I'm going to lose. I'm like, dude, you have a chance. Like, yeah. you should, you know, try and capitalize on it. Yeah. But he, yeah, he already throws himself in the losing bucket before he even steps out on court. It's, but I mean, he's playing someone way worse than Med and Lorenzo Sinego. Yeah, he beat him in Rotterdam too, which is probably better courts for for Lorenzo. Yeah, for, he's also so. beat him on clay, which is not exactly FA's forte. No. Yeah, and it is for Senego. <laughs> yeah, and um, Felix is just—I mean, he plays really, really well against players that aren't in the top ten. So, yeah, minus three and a half games. It's it's like I think that's priced very accurately, but um, I would rather lean that way than rather than take the plus five and a half with Sinego. The two O is minus one ten, two one plus two sixty. So if you're looking, I mean Sinego has been playing okay this year. Um and I think he's kind of a wild card. He's not a hard quarter by any means. And these are like traditional fast hard courts. Um but he's a shot maker and that can stymie FAA at times. Um I I I think though maybe lean to the trend the trend here though and this is going to be a relatively easy dub uh, Avery as you said a return to the mean here uh, for yeah. FAA. Borna Chorich is a one game favorite against uh, Kakanakis uh, minus one thirty four on the money line. The dog is plus one twelve. It's a twenty three total here. Chorich had to withdraw. From Rotterdam with a left leg injury, um, but I, I've seen it on social media. It looks like he's uh, okay. Um, these guys played two times last year with George not dropping a set at Davis Cup and at Tokyo. Uh, I, I kind of none of this is. I, I was smelling a trap here because I have no idea why this didn't open around minus one fifty on the George side. I mean, this is a horrible matchup for Kakanakis. I mean, like uh, obviously. The serve guys trend up here on the on these courts, but George has a pretty good serve too, and he's obviously a much better baseliner. I would agree. No, I think that's a, a fair analysis. <laughs> I mean, uh, pretty pretty straightforward, honestly. I, I don't know what I'm like. This is what <laughs> this is one of the situations where like I don't see what I'm missing, and I feel like I I am missing something. Right. No, I, I, I literally. I pretty much see it similar. It's like it's like the the Michael Mo thing. It's like what what am I missing? Yeah, I got nothing against Born a Charge minus one. Yeah, I mean Kalkanakis. I mean he never breaks. Um, he he's playing someone better than him. I I, I don't really get it. Like yeah, well, um, Borna worked him in Davis Cup too a uh, couple months ago. Pretty yeah, I, like like you know every rally. It's just. The, the balance shifts towards George. So is there just a big question mark on how injured George is or what? That has to be the only. Yeah. I mean, Tanasi's playing well too. 
He's he's like I guess he's capable. He he almost beat Center Western and Southern. He's he's capable of getting big wins. I just this matchup's not good for him. No. He doesn't play yeah. very well outside of Australia either. Oh no, he's not a very good singles player. Um great doubles player though. Um so I don't know, man. Um uh, this is uh <laughs> I mean, I would just bet the minus one thirty four money line just to be safe. I would one hundred percent. I mean, yeah. And, and what's weird too is like we've already seen Fritz move a full ten cents. This has moved six cents, so it's not even like Torch <laughs> is taking a lot of money yet. Um, you know, this isn't even getting hammered into place. I don't know. It's very mystifying to me. This one. Oh, you know, I'm going to bet this right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get this bet in. And then um, we we're gonna see what what what's up with that. All right. Um, uh, Djokovic just opened up as a five and a half game favorite against Greek Spore. Hmm. Man. And Bublik is uh, plus four and a half against Medvedev. So we got some. Oh yeah, uh, Bublik. If he competes in that matchup, I'd be so impressed. I guess Med maybe is tired, but. I mean that is that is just brutal for Bubla because Med can stand twenty feet behind the court, return, and then what is Bubla going to do in the rally? Yeah, plus Medvedev has been a cover machine on these huge numbers. L- less the Brody match. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm obviously going to fade uh, Greek Spore once again. Um, it's well on that one. <laughs> I know Derek loves uh, Greek Spore these days. He he's upgraded him to. From uh, farts to uh, <laughs> what, toots. what's your new to toots <laughs> on this scale? Um, all right, well, let's dive into uh, the the wider macro draw talk here, deeper draw plays here. Now, um, obviously, I I have Novak winning this whole thing because <laughs> I don't know the guy just seems like unbeatable. Um, even today, just getting that out. Um, that was probably like a good thing for him to play a longer match. Um, <laughs> that only made him stronger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I am interested to see what uh, this Hubie uh, uh, Kajov match. I, I mean, I the Russian guy is not. Um, he's more of a clay guy. So I don't. I, the fact that he's here is very surprising. Um, but uh, Hubie Novak. It's probably going to be lined around four, if I have to guess. Um, I still like Novak there. Uh, I do kind of like Chorich if he gets by, uh, as we think, and it's Medvedev. Uh, Med's been playing a lot. I, I wouldn't mind taking a shot on Chorich as a dog against Medvedev down the line. Um, yeah. And we faded uh, FAA earlier, but I, I actually have him moving on to the final. Um, these are these are really good courts for him, uh, with the serve. Um, you know, if he gets by Sonego, which you know he has a couple times in the past, um, then he's gonna play Zverev or O'Connell. I think he can get by those guys. Um, and then the bottom half is only Bodic or Rublev. I have Bodic uh, making it to the semis, actually beating Rublev. I, I'm I, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm fading Rublev. He's he's uh, beaten Rublev before, I think in Moscow, and then maybe another time. So, and um, as I said, we were a week early. John uh, liked a little Bodic run last week, so I'm gonna I'm gonna carry that over to this week. I, it's, it's a pretty good little setup for him um, to reach a semi. 
Um, Rublev, obviously the wild card. If he's going to play good again, uh, can make the can make the finals. Sounds like Bodek's going to rip next week. Then <laughs> <laughs> just keep moving it down the line. Yeah. <laughs> what do you uh, think? What do you think, Derek? I mean, that's pretty far out, and uh, like I don't know what. Novak's going to bring this tournament. Obviously, he's the favorite to win, and it'd be insane for me to pick anyone else but him. But I mean, if screw it, somebody on this pod, I guess, has to take Rublev. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be that guy this week. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not betting that by any means. Do do not. uh, If anyone's listening right now and we're like, "Dang, I'm going to hammer Rublev," (laughs) don't do it. I'm just doing this for just basically joke purposes, but like this tournament's pretty far out. And if you really want to put your money in a safe place, yeah, obviously take Novak. You're betting on variance. I'm just betting on likelihood. Well, for the Rublev pick. Oh, the Rublev. Yeah, 100% variance. <laughs> variance. Do you have any uh, wild card picks here? Honestly, I think Novak's vulnerable, like I talked about earlier. But I mean, freaking Novak, man! And you don't have Sitsi Pass here. <sighs> yeah, it's it's really. I mean, Mashak did kind of red line, played really well, and that's as much as you can do against Novak. But also, Novak's going to play better than that, and he, he had real double fault issues, serve issues. It's kind of spraying. I'll get better. Um, and he's probably motivated a little bit because he, he lost to Vesely last year. It's tough, tough to fade Novak, man. Guy's just the best player on earth and also, you know, miles above everyone not named Rafael, Carlos, and a couple of years ago, Roger. He's also won this five times. Five? I mean, like, who was going to beat him? Is like H- Hubie? I, I think that's a bad matchup for Hubie. Um, I mean, Medvedev, maybe Chorich. I think Medvedev or Chorich at the semi, um, semi level could, could definitely do it. Um, if, if that, if, if Novak's not going to win, I think that's where he, he goes out. Yeah. I'll give you that. All right, guys. Well, normally this is where we head down to the golden swing, but we are uh, running out of time. Uh, so unfortunately this is going to be a week where we have to say, sorry, uh, Santiago, um, and not dive into it. Uh, I will say, I, I think, uh, the finalist last year, Sebi Baez is pretty live in that, um, it's a player I like in that, but are we going to see anything from, uh, Brian Sarundalo? Are we going to see anything from team or green, the winner of that match? Um, there's some guys out here. I mean, this is. You talk about that. People were saying last week was a, a boiled down 500. I mean, at least Alcaraz and Nori were there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a wide open clay grinders special uh, in Chile. So is Massetti going to do something with his life? That's so it's like, I don't even know that there's like, first off, there's much sharper clay betters on the timeline. So search them out. Yeah. Um, I don't even feel comfortable because I think this is totally wide open and random this week. Yeah, it's like uh, a redemption tour for one of these guys is going to actually somewhat turn their season around by actually winning a tournament. And uh, this matchup between team and Gareen is, <laughs> is very interesting to me because one of those guys has to win a match. 
All right. Well, if you've made it here, uh, thank you uh, once again for listening. Uh, you can follow our show uh, handle at MP9 Tennis. That's where we drop the pods. And uh, I, I leave some funny comments, an occasional pick or two. Um, you can follow Derek at Ferrer versus Nagal. Uh, Avery at Avery Zim- at A Zimmerman underscore one. He's the editor for Action Network. Avery, any final thoughts here? Thank you guys, as always, again, for having me. I appreciate it. Um, hopefully, our Botic unison play can get there. We'll see what happens. Um, but this is an awesome week. Uh, enjoy. You guys, everyone that listens, have an awesome time. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. And uh, until next time, see you guys on the court. <laughs>